This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, folks, what's going on? Welcome to a Tuesday afternoon edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. And we've got a busy, busy show today. Really looking forward to talking Jets. Tough loss last night against the Montreal Canadiens. Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun will join us in just a few moments. And at 1.45, if you're watching live on the YouTube stream, our second guest will be none other than Andrew Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Should be a great show. Let's bring in Michael Remus. Remo, what is going on? How you doing? And uh, what did you think of that game last night? Us happy to be here. Great, uh, great day. Uh, sorry, I turn off all my alerts. We're getting all these retweets. But um, the game last night, you know, I actually thought the Jets, for the most part, you know, played the kind of game you want them to play uh, on a nightly basis. The games that they were playing earlier and winning against Montreal in overtime, um, some of those they were relying a lot on Connor Hellebuck. They were getting outshot. I really thought that um, yesterday they played well. And when they played well, and look, a couple turnovers, uh, you know, led to a couple goals against. <laughs> Other than those turnovers, you know, when you count out the worst parts of the game, Hus, actually, I thought they played pretty well. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I did like the start of the team. Um, I thought they came out and, you know, listen, turnovers um, and bad ones really ended up being the story for the game from a, from a Jets perspective. I mean, you know, the, it was really unfortunate. I mean, Andrew Kopp, who's usually one of the more reliable guys on the squad, um, you know, turns that one over and ends up in the back of the net early. And that sort of took away a lot of um, and bad ones really ended up being the story for the game from a, from a Jets perspective. I mean, you know, the, it was really unfortunate. I mean, Andrew Kopp, who's usually one of the more reliable guys on the squad, um, you know, turns that one over and ends up in the back of the net early. And that sort of took away a lot of the momentum the Jets had from uh, what I thought was, you know, I worried about how the team looks in that first game back coming off the road. Um, you know, they seem to be ready to play. Um, things really changed in the second period, though. And listen, Carey Price, I thought, you know, was the the story of the first period um, when Montreal had that one nothing lead. And you know, then you know they get up to two nothing. The Jets ended up coming back, and you know, once again, it was um, you know a colossal um, comedy of errors, really, with Josh Morrissey and then Neil Pionk on that third goal that ended up in a, in a three on zero. A three on oh, he can't really fault uh, Connor Hellebuck for that. So, um, you know, listen, we'll have lots of time to talk about the game. Um, we'll get into it. We, of course, have to thank our wonderful sponsors helping us make this all happen here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, not AutoCorp, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Royal Sports, and Boston Pizza Winnipeg. And, uh, of course, uh, we'll uh, hit the lines a little later on for a cool bet. But, um, but yeah, remote, I, I mean, Listen, these things are going to happen. I mean, the Jets, maybe if you looked at those first three games of the four in a row against Montreal, you know, hey, they'd won all three, so they put themselves in a very good position um, going forward. Um, Had that 7-1 loss two Saturdays ago, and I think we all agreed that, you know, the next time these two teams played, um, the Jets will be much better. Um, But again, Montreal was coming off a couple losses in Calgary, and I think played, especially in the third period, like more of a desperate team. Uh, the one thing that stood out for me last night, and it reminded me of the Anaheim Ducks kind of like six, seven years ago. 
the Canadian sticks last night, you know, you always hear hockey guys talk about, wow, they've got good sticks. They're really, you know, this is a team that's got good sticks. The Habs sticks last night, whether it was just straight up pickpocketing Winnipeg Jet players and Winnipeg Jet defensemen for glorious scoring opportunities, or in, you know, in the, in the neutral zone, getting their sticks in front of pucks, often in midair, not even on the ice, um, you know, it, it really did create some problems for the Winnipeg Jets at times, more so in their own end. Um, but for the Jets side of things, I mean, I thought they did generate quite a bit. I thought Carey Price was really good last night. Connor Hellebuck had to be good, really, you know, very good at times. Uh, and at the end of the day, those are the sort of games that could go either way. Um, but it's hard not to look at that game and think, man, that was um, maybe a little self-inflicted. I mean, if the puck management was a little bit better, I think you can certainly see a path for victory last night from Winnipeg. Yeah, no question about that. You look at the first goal, uh, a little turnover by Cop on the boards. But full credit to Josh Anderson for laying out. And I don't think I've seen too many guys uh, make a pass like that, like diving on the ice and uh, passing over to Drouin, who makes a, you know, Forbert is kind of thrown off by the, you know, the puck that's in no man's land. You had that one. And yeah, the Pionk giveaway uh, after the Bonsa or Morrissey stick, that was a rough one as well. And I think the second one was uh, Morrissey failing to clear the puck in his own end. So, you know, a couple of miscues. There were a couple other, you know, posts. And uh, there was a breakaway as well. Hellbuck had to be good on. But for the most part, yeah, self-inflicted. You know, we talked about Carey Price. I had been hearing for the first two months, this guy is done. He's got an untradeable contract. Jake Allen is better than him. He should be the one who's starting. Well, look at Carey Price's numbers in March. And uh, six starts has... I know a very small sample, but 950 save percentage, 150 goals against. And, you know, in February, he was very, you know, he had his terrible month, 880 save percentage and 328 goals against. So, and that's, uh, in January, it still wasn't as great. Uh, 898 save percentage, 292 goals against. So much, much better in March. And that's kind of the guy that you think you're going to get. Uh, with with Carey Price. So uh, full credit to him for having a bounce back March so far. No doubt about it. Hey, I want to give a shout out to uh, some of uh, our uh, our community, our peeps in the chat. Uh, Mark Sports Video is there. Good morning to you, Mark. And um, maybe check out Mark. I mean, if you want to see all the gory details of... Um, well, Josh Morrissey's night last night. Mark's prepared a video for that if you're, if you're willing to put yourself through that. Uh, the Godfather himself, Mitch... From Winnipeg Hockey Talk is here. Roger Quinville, Dustin Fung, Chris D, of all people. Nobody covers the Winnipeg market better than Chris and his team. Great to have Chris here. The uh, the original, the OG, caller number one, Gregory Liverpool. Greg had some takes. Greg actually tweeted out those takes afterwards, Remus. Shocked that you did not know the uh, daylight savings rules about changing your batteries in the smoke alarms. You're, you know, homeowner, family guy now need to take those Greg's tips to make sure that uh, you're ready, uh, ready for, uh, you know, what's to come after the clocks change. Got to have those smoke detectors fired up. Yeah, I didn't change my smoke detectors batteries yesterday. However, I did change a battery in my Dyson vacuum. I had been putting it off for a long time. It didn't go on max mode anymore and it was like you do one room and it would die and i was like okay i've had enough of this i'm getting a new battery i don't care better than paying you know 500 bucks for a new vacuum we've had this thing for a couple years the thing runs like brand new pulled out the screwdriver super easy i'm like i should have done this months ago uh, and that's my uh 
That's my story about my Dyson vac. I know everyone's here for to hear about the vacuum. No one's here to hear about the jets. Yeah, it's a lot of vac, a lot of vacuum talk. We'll uh, roll through some, you know, other uh, household uh, advice from many people, not coming from me. Um, uh, oh, and by the way, I got to give you some credit. Um, apparently, I'm sounding better today. Now, I'm not sure whether this is because I'm making a point of talking closer into the microphone, whether I've taken your suggestion to use headphones, or that we have we have moved on. CTO Michael Ramis continuing to step up the production quality. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're using the Ninja today, and uh, from the sounds of it, the sound is better. Hopefully, it'll look better. As long as we can get Billick and Andrew Harris in on the program, we'll be laughing. Yeah, we should have uh, yeah better qual- better video quality, better sound quality uh, for you, Hasse, and the guests going forward. Uh, you know, their mouths will be moving in sync. I know a lot of people, I mean... Look, everyone's having to do remote broadcast. I've seen a lot of sync issues uh, among NHL broadcasts as well. And you see everyone. Look, I'm not the only one who can put their mic on mute. Even that guy at the <laughs> Golden Globes who won his award was on mute. Uh, I think on news shows, they're always telling people to take off mute. So, look, uh, we're, all, we're all getting used to it. I'll make sure to have uh, my mic on when things uh, get going. Couple more shout outs. Tom Halex here, TB Covers, Owen Yarima, and how about Igor Nestorenko Remo joining us from Bermuda right now? Winnipeg yeah, Sports it, Talk worldwide. Yeah, I know. I know Igor. Welcome. Uh, he's always Instagramming great shots uh, from Bermuda. Looks uh, lovely there. So appreciate everyone coming <laughs> out. We get to see some of the countries where people are watching from. I think uh, Finland and some of the European countries on YouTube uh, are the most popular. Uh, a couple others, Roddy Gordon, Lady Mystery. Uh, Wayne Jones is uh, tuning in from Norway. What's up, Wayne? Great to have you with us. And, yes, that was a tough game for the Winnipeg Jets. Red Rangers here. And David F. is saying what everyone's saying. Winnipeg vacuum talk is what we yeah. are here for. So, um, listen, we've got it all together. And you might see the background that I'm rocking today, folks. It is the uh, It is a picture taken by me of the celebration of the 2019 Grey Cup champion, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I'm very excited to uh, tell you that we're going to be bringing in the guy who was the uh, top player, the top Canadian, and the uh, heart and soul of this Winnipeg Blue Bombers championship team. Andrew Harris is going to join us, talk to him about the uh, the longest offseason ever, looking ahead to the upcoming season. And I, I'm not sure how much he'll want to talk about it, but certainly just see what his reaction to the news last week of, you know, a potential, you know, um, discussions working between the CFL and XFL and what that means for a player like him, especially someone that has not only been so dominant, but a Canadian kid that, you know, came through Canadian football to become one of the great stars in CFL history. So all of that coming up. And uh, as I mentioned, we'll have Scott Billick come up in in a couple minutes. Remo, at the end of the program, uh, you know, after we're finished with Billick, focusing on the Jets and with Andrew Harris. We're going to need to dive in a little bit to tonight's action. And uh, I guess when we look at the lines, the game that I'm going straight to, talked about this on the lock shop with Dustin Nielsen earlier today. One of the worst matchups in regular season, potentially NHL history when you think about it. The Buffalo Sabres having lost 11 in a row, going into New Jersey, who have lost 11 in a row at home, have lost 9 of 10 right now. A true somebody's-got-a-win game game. Wow, that is uh, something to think about. I would probably roll with New Jersey, uh, although New Jersey at a nine, minus 180 favorite uh, is scary. I like Mackenzie Blackwood. They have a lot of talent. Uh, Buffalo, the news that's coming out of there, 
Uh, it has gone horribly this season. Uh, Taylor Hall signing there. I don't think he could have imagined this. He's probably going to get traded to a contender. I mean, they're uh, benching Jeff Skinner, who's got a massive contract. Uh, I mean, there's calls uh, among the fans that they should fire the coach. Uh, you know, Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News is uh, saying that they've quit and uh, you know, grilling them in post-game press conferences. The Buffalo Sabres are even tweeted out that they're giving away uh, or letting all the first responders, you know, come to a game, and the, all <laughs> the, the replies were, the replies were like, "Yeah, you couldn't get it's because you couldn't get anyone to buy the tickets, or haven't these first responders suffered enough? Uh, it's crazy what's going on in Buffalo. They haven't been good for a long time, and uh, this rebuild. Who's gonna you know win the you know get get back into the playoffs first, Edmonton or Buffalo? I think Edmonton certainly winning the rebuild, getting back into the playoffs a couple of years ago, but they're still not not quite there uh, yet. But maybe this year will be their year. Hey, listen, before we get to Billick, just a couple, of, just a little bit of breaking news. This used to be our Rick's uh, Rick's department, the waiver wire, but some interesting names on the waiver wire today, beginning with goaltender Anton Forsberg. People may not realize. Of the Winnipeg Jets. Forsberg was picked up off waivers. He's been essentially on the taxi squad. And I was listening to the guys in Edmonton earlier today. I think it was low tide. And he said, well, isn't that coincidental that the Winnipeg Jets decide to throw Forsberg on waivers as soon as Alex Stalock has finished his quarantine is ready to play for the Edmonton Oilers. So um, we'll see what that means. We'll ask Scott about that coming up in a minute. But here's some other names that... I don't know. I'm a little surprised to see you hit the waiver wire. Uh, Mikhail Grigorenko from Columbus, but Paul Byron from the Montreal Canadiens, and Reem Jimmy Vesey from the Montreal from the Toronto Maple Leafs, and and Vesey so far this year um, has been a pretty nice contributor on that fourth line. You know, we knew there were guys like Nick Patan was in somewhat limbo, but um, I'll be honest, I didn't think we'd see Jimmy Vesey's name get across the waiver wire, and you wonder what's behind that move for the Toronto Maple Leafs as they have a couple days off before getting back to it going into the weekend. Yeah, when I saw Forsberg, I was like, wait, Philip Forsberg of the Predators is on the waiver wire? <laughs> and then I saw Elliot Friedman wrote uh, W-I-N, and don't get me started about his uh, oh. abbreviation use. <laughs> don't get me started. Uh, but I was like, oh, right, they had Anton Forsberg. And I think that's not a surprise. Eric Comrie, they had picked up off waivers. They want to use him. Uh, him to be the guy. So Forsberg, you know, he's playing part of the goalie carousel. We'll see if someone picks him up. He was on Edmonton before Carolina. Uh, so we'll see. And Jimmy Vesey, what a career it's been for him. He was the big college free agent uh, signing and uh, signed with Toronto. I remember there was talk, uh, you know, his dad was with the organization, but seems to not work there. And I did see today they're also trying to bring uh, Alex Galchenyuk along with the Marlies. Maybe he'll uh, you know, continue to make some progress and make an appearance uh, with the NHL team. Well, interesting. Anyways, we'll stay on top of that and all the uh, rest of the NHL news. We'll do a bit of a uh, roundup at the end of the program. We'll get to the lines for tonight, including that toilet bowl between the Devils and the Sabres. But right now, let's get to priority number one, and that's focusing on our Winnipeg sports teams. And it is a pleasure to welcome in to WST Daily. Uh, A guy that has, and I've said this before on the program before we finished up on Pemina Highway now, has really been, I mean, turned into an absolute go-to guy for Winnipeg Jet fans, but probably far more importantly to our communities, become a real go-to guy handling both the Jets beat and the pandemic beat. And that, of course, 
is our good friend from the Winnipeg Sun, Scott Billick, who joins us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Scotty, great to see you again. Thanks for joining us for the first time here on the new program. What's going on? But yeah, no, it's good to uh, good to see you back uh, behind the mic and, and Remus too. Well, man, it's been a lot of fun. As uh, you know, I mentioned, you don't want to get into it too much because uh, you know it sounds like an epic week long Barry Horowitz. But the support we've had from everyone has been incredible. Um, you know, we just, I mean, the, the numbers that we put up so far, far beyond what we'd expected, um, the support from people, from sponsors, from this community, I think realizes that this is a format. I mean, the, the passion is here for these teams. Yeah. The fans are here right now. And, you know, in the big picture, yeah, it, you know, is it really necessary to be at the far end of an AM radio dial? Um, you know, no, it's nice to be, but certainly there's a lot of other ways that we can get this out, and we're seeing it every day with the amount of people that are joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, hey, just before we get into the game last night, um, yeah. I just mentioned the Anton Forsberg waivers situation. Why don't you give our, our listeners a little bit of a... Uh, the 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 history of Anton Forsberg with the Winnipeg Jets because uh, it's brief. There's not a lot of game action, but it has been quite interesting the way he, as an asset, has been managed by the Jets. Uh, uh, you know, similar to way uh, yeah. where a number of other teams have handled third goalies right now in this strange season. Well, yeah, I mean, it all goes back to the Jets losing Eric Comrie again, right? Which is something you saw last season, and so you know the. the the Jets were very much hoping that Eric Comrie would slip through the waiver wire, you know, when 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 they put him down there, I guess over a month now, over ago. And, and obviously he got claimed by, by the New Jersey Devils there. And, and so he gets claimed and the Jets are scrambling to find a goalie. So they, you know, Edmonton puts, uh, or was it Carolina? I don't remember who put it because he was still in Edmonton, I believe. And that's why he didn't have to quarantine for as long. But anyways, so yeah, they... They, they, they claim Anton Forsberg off waivers, and then you know, they, you obviously you can't send him down. He's on the active roster. He sits there, and he's been there ever since. And and you know, it's interesting. You, you kind of said it right before I came on about how Alex Stalock was out of his quarantine now um, in Edmonton, and so the Jets put him on uh, on waivers today, probably hoping that they can maybe either slip him through or that he does get taken because now. You know, Eric Comrie can come up and, and be that. But um, my guess is now, you know, with the Staylock news, is they're trying to trying to get him through. Uh, and, and and this is their best opportunity. I, I think, you know, it, people look at it, well, why today? You know, and I think it's just, it, it's a strategic game right now. You know, you're, you're hoping that the team doesn't need that, that, that taxi squad goalie at the moment and, and that sort of thing. And so I think the Jets are really trying to just get him through and, and hopefully they can hold on to him because, uh, you know, maybe at some point he becomes an asset to them. It's, it's a strange season and, and you never know what's going to happen. Every day is a uh, one of those days where, it, you know, one guy could be on the COVID-related absence list, whatever, and they'll need somebody, right? He could turn into an asset and, and like you said, kind of asset management the Jets have been doing. So, yeah, it was strange kind of – uh, scenario, um, but uh, you know this is a season that's kind of bred a lot of them. Yeah, well, I mean, for the Jets, per, from the Jets' perspective, they don't want to be digging into that third goalie uh, at all. They want it to be Connor Hellebuck and the right. Renbrosois for obvious reasons. But um, <laughs> we saw Michael Hutchinson play for the Avalanche in the playoffs last year, so <laughs> it's stranger things have <laughs> right. happened. You can't be too sure at that yeah. position. All right, Scotty. Well, let's get to last night's game. Um, a comedy of errors at times, but overall, yeah. I mean, I think there were some, you know, some stretches, first period and third period. Where the Jets, you know, the Jets were good. I mean, they came to play last night. Um, but again, whether we're talking about Andrew Kopp or Josh Morrissey or Neil Pionk, 
uh, you know, some pretty egregious defensive gaffes leading to goals that, you know, while the Jets overall, you know, need to improve defensively, even those were way out of character for those players and just how dramatic they were and how much they swung the hockey game. Right, exactly. I mean, you talk about Andrew Kopp and, and Paul Maurice talks about here's a guy who um, they never have to show video to. I mean, th- this might be the first time they have to show, you know, a piece of footage to Andrew Kopp on, on that on that gaff. And, and part of that was, I don't think Derek Forbert's pass to cop at the blue and was very good. And, and so it kind of led to that. And then you obviously have the, the, yeah, the, the Morrissey. Uh, yeah. It, Josh Morrissey had a tough night last night at the office. And, and I, 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 at least for me, I have a long leash for Josh Morrissey. I think he was given a, a really tough hand last year and did as best as he could. Um, and then this year, you know, he's had to play with maybe the, not the pairing guys that you would probably want him to. I mean, it, this is kind of the first time he's played with, with Dylan DeMello. And so, you know, uh, this season at least. And so you need to give him some time with that. But, yeah, I mean, the the whiff on – so the third goal. I mean, the whiff on the blue line, um, I, I you know, some people say the puck bounced. It, to me, it looked like it bounced stick. Um, and, and then, yeah, and then Neil Pionk just trying to fire one up the middle of the ice. Oh, that didn't work. I mean, Tyler Foley got it. And and what we've seen from Tyler Foley this year, he's just an absolute killer um, when it comes to <laughs> scoring goals. Right? Ask the so, Canucks. Yeah, exactly. So the, here's a guy who's now, I think he's 17 on the year, and that 17th goal ended up being the game winner for, for, for Montreal. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, that, it's the thing, you know, the Jets, you know, they played now, in my mind, two pretty good games five on five. It's just, you know, the difference between the Toronto game and, and, and last night's game is the, the errors. You know, they're just uncharacteristic, you know, kind of all three of those goals, you know, aside from the empty net goal, which is, you know, whatever, um, just self-inflicted wounds, right? I mean, it, that game probably should have been won by the Jets. I mean, I think I thought they, they, they played well. I mean, that first shift by the Shifey line to start the game was, was incredible. I mean, that, that was one of the best shifts I've probably seen that line yeah. play all season. And but they just didn't get it. I mean, the best Logan Stanley, and, and and that's a good thing for the organization. Don't get me wrong, but that's not the that's not what you want to hear. Uh, you know, uh, every night you don't want Logan, you want Logan Stanley to be good. You don't want him to be the best defenseman when he's playing on the third pairing. So yeah, just it was a, it's a tough night at the office. So, yeah, I think especially for Josh Morrissey, um, it, it's been a bit of a tough year for him again this year. Just trying to get settled with who knows who he's going to play with. On some nights, yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, focusing in on the blue line and, um, you know, I mean, we were talking out fair. I don't think there was any doubt that Logan Stanley was the Jets' best defenseman last mm-hmm. night. And you do make a good point. If that's the case, well, you're probably talking about a night that was somewhat rough for your defense core as a group. Yeah. But I will say this. I mean, every time he gets into the lineup, he seems to be more comfortable, more confident, more impressive, more like he belongs. And Scott, I said this yesterday on the program before last night's game, and I feel it even more strongly today than I did yesterday, that Logan Stan- that Nate Beaulieu is about to get Wally pipped by Logan Stanley, meaning that, you know, you know, listen, it's not his fault he got injured and he got knocked out of the lineup, but um, I just can't see how, especially if there's another couple weeks of him getting experience in there, I mean, knowing Paul Maurice, and listen, I know he loves and will defer to veteran players at times, um, often, but with what Stanley brings to the game, um, what he can do for the Winnipeg Jets, and the way he continues to improve, I, I can't wrap my head around a possibility that if Bolio's healthy and everyone else is healthy, that Logan Stanley's out of the lineup. I think he's a regular as of now as a Winnipeg Jet. 
Yeah, and I, I, I mean, one hundred percent. I completely agree with you, and I think you know the reason. Here's a guy who, if he does make a mistake, and they have they have kind of been few and far between, which has been good. But man, does he bounce back after a mistake? Like his next shift, his next two or three shifts after, he, he's back to doing whatever he does well normally. Which you know, getting pucks on net sounds. I mean, it, the guy has like a wingspan of a pterodactyl, right? Like, I mean, this guy is huge, <laughs> and so he can break up plays from like you know, it, it, it's hyperbole, but a mile away. I mean, this guy can do the things that Zidane Chara became very well known for. You know, you, you beat a guy, you know, you think you've got a guy like that beat, and then here comes a stick from, you know, you think he's beat, and then the stick just breaks up the plate, and, and it's, it's ridiculous. And then that hit last night, boy, I mean. Whoa. It, it, oh, that hit, so I don't think, you know, if you had a several thousand dollar sound system in your house and still watching it, I don't think the thundering nature of that hit came through your TV. And I, I was sitting right over top of it in press row last night. And this isn't a humble break. It's just, I'm trying to describe to you how big of a, like this. So there's no fans in the building. And, uh, you know, if you're, if viewers watch UFC, I mean, a lot of like, you know, during the pandemic, where there's no fan, a lot of the punches, the kicks, there's a very visceral sound to them. And, 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 you know, you just, you really feel it. And that hit last night that, you know, you felt that hit. I mean, obviously Jake Evans felt that hit. Um, he was bleeding after it, but it was massive. And there wasn't, not, there was not a thing that Montreal was going to do about it because, you know, you, you turn around to look at who hit you like that. And here's a six foot seven dude that, that is not going to, uh, well, I mean, if you want to fight him, you can, I, I've seen Stanley in a scrap before. It's, it, it's, it's, it doesn't look like a fun time. And so, but yeah, I mean, to go back to, you know, just him, he, he's, he's impressive. I mean, I, I think there was a lot of people that wrote him off. Um, Before he ever played one single game in the game. NHL. I, I know. I know. And I, and I get it, right? I mean, you get it. You, you trade up for a guy who's pretty much a project player. He's taken in the same round that Patrick Lyon goes in. Like, I get it. I understand that they're, this is a guy who wasn't going to play right away, but man, what he's turned into now as a 22 year old, it is like, I mean, if you had to do it all over again, I think fans would be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's wait. You know, because this is, you know, if this is how good he is right now, I mean, imagine when he, he, he's got some, you know, more pro experience under his belt playing in the NHL, it starts learning tendencies of his opponents and stuff like that, where he knows what to kind of do, how to defend better, that sort of thing. Um, you know, everything that was said again, the speed, whatever. No, it's all there, right? Like, it, 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 I'm, you know, I feel like I'm gushing, which is one of those things that uh, I, I used to bug Paul Maurice about doing. But um, yeah, no, he's just really good. Just a, he's, he's just a good player. And, and until you see something bad out of him, which I, arguably you didn't, even when he came out of the lineup. Um, yeah, I don't think he's coming up. Well, and, and you know, and I've said this number of times before back um, on Pemina Highway, you know, mentioned it yesterday, but I mean, it's important to realize the difference between certain prospects. And I mean, we were on the draft floor that day, and yeah, all the excitement was about Patrick Line, and it was the Line A draft, and the Jets won the lottery. But when they traded up to get Logan Stanley, Mark Hillier came on with us half an hour later and said, guys, this is a very different, a very different pick we were making. Yeah. This is a future pick, and he said to us on the air that day, he's going to be two more years in junior, and he's going to play a couple years in the American Hockey League. He's literally two years away from being two years away. Yeah. And 
And those are those last two years. And I mean, even the last couple seasons, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that it's, it's quite clear that a lot of the hot takes that come in on players and how, you know, they blew the pick and this guy doesn't belong or people that probably spent total of zero minutes watching the Manitoba Moose. Because, right. you know, you know, anyone that went to those games and everyone that spent any time talking to Pascal Vincent saw that this is a different player from his first week in the American Hockey League to his first week last season to the end of last year now to where he is right now. And, you know, credit where credit is due. Mark Hillier called his shot on the show the day they picked him. And right now, I mean, yeah, there hasn't been a lot of ammo to go at the Jets scouts in the past. And this was sort of a guy that was thought to be the, the bust pick. Yeah. Um, man, it's amazing how a narrative can change so much when a guy actually gets a chance to play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's it. And I think it's, you, you kind of hope that this is kind of the learning moment for a lot of people, right? Because there, there was, it wasn't just us. I mean, it, it wasn't just fans. I mean, it was us in the media too. We weren't, we were all per, kind of perplexed by the pick at the time, right? And, and, and because, you know, the way that the world works with social media, with analytics, all that stuff, you know, there's a lot of snap judgments that are made immediately. You know, every pick is scrutinized the moment that the first letter of the name comes out of the mouth of the GM or whoever they put up on the stage. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a cautionary tale, I think, especially with some of these kind of bigger defensemen. Like, you know, you've seen Tyler Myers come into the league and he wins the Calder Trophy in his first season. But you also have to realize that a guy like Zidane Ochoa who's going to end up in the Hall of Fame one day. Didn't he wasn't who he was in the first few seasons of his career? Not even right? close. Exactly, the most it, awkward player in NHL history. Exactly right, and so it took some time. But then look at what he comes out to be. You know, here's a, a perennial kind of Norris guy wins a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. You know, and now he's still coveted. People, you know, the Washington Capitals wanted him. I mean, and, and he's almost 40, or he is 40. He might be over 40 at this point for Chara. And, and he, but he, his size, his ability to play the game is, is, is so, um, and, and just the physical, like, in, 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 imposing nature that a guy that size has. I mean, I remember watching the Bruins back in their, you know, well, they're still in their kind of heyday, but back in the early, you know, 2010s and whatever. This is a guy that, like, you know, if somebody was going after your, your smaller player, I mean, you'd have this guy kind of knocking on your shoulder and, 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 and like, yeah, what are you going to do about it, right? Like, yeah, you know, skate away. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like this, like, Logan Stanley has that in him too. Like, I, I think there's just this all-around guy who's kind of a, you know, a bit of a spiritual successor, I suppose, to, to Dustin Bufflin. I mean, a different way to play the game. But, you know, if the Jets are kind of going to be blessed with another big defenseman that can work at both ends of the ice, um, I, I think that's good given that, you know, this kid's only 22 years old and could have a long future ahead of him in the NHL. One of the things, and thanks to everyone that is uh, with us live on YouTube right now, uh, keep on uh, firing in those comments. We'll get to some of those to uh, Scott. And if you can, make sure to hit the like button. That helps us out a lot. Um, one of the things that has really stood out about Stanley, especially probably to so many people that focus on shot attempts and analytics and whatnot, yep. is how much he's been shooting, and how good he has been in getting the puck to the net. Now, that hasn't resulted in his first NHL goal yet, yeah. but with the amount of rubber he's putting at goalies, it does sort of seem like it is a matter of time. Have you been Has that aspect of his game maybe stood out, Scott, as opposed to what maybe we were expecting when we saw him make the graduation to the National League? 
A, a little bit, but but I think if you watch, I mean, you, you mentioned if you watch the moose before, you would have seen some of these things. And, and this was one of his things that he was able to do with the moose. I mean, this is a guy who can kind of get the puck through. And, and I, ta- I asked Paul Maurice about this when I was doing a story on, on Stanley earlier, uh, or last week, I guess it is now. Um, you know, it, it, because not every defenseman has the ability to kind of thread that needle right to the net. And I, I think that's what, what's helped Stanley. I mean, he gets his first assist albeit on a double deflection, I get that. But it, the point is the shot got through and it was able to, you know, able to get a goal. And, he, and that's not the first chance that he's made. And last night he wound up for a shot. I'm like, man, like one of these is going into the back of the net because eventually he's going to get it right. He's going to, and, and I think part of it too is like, there was a time last night where he took a shot from the point and I was like, you know, why, why does he do that? He missed the net probably by like 10 feet. Like it wasn't, you know, whatever. But I think it's just kind of wired in him to kind of keep the play in the zone, right? So he, he'll do that. And that's part of it, too. But I think, you know, he's becoming more confident. There was a play last night as well where he's down low. I mean, he's this guy's moving in and, and, and engaging. And, 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 and He got and, it to Wheeler right in front of the net on that I know, play. I mean, that's what I mean. <laughs> like, there's offensive instincts in this guy. And you obviously, you saw this in the AHL. And I understand he was injured last year. And and in his first year, he was still trying to figure it out, you know, just as as a pro. Um, but you saw these instincts in in the AHL, and, and obviously he was able to do it in in the OHL. But yeah, he's a, he's just a I don't know it, 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 he he had ability. I don't know if people are afraid of the shot or whatever. I mean, such a, like people would fly out of the way of Zidane Chara's shot from the point because the guy had the, one of the hardest shots in the league sometimes, and and, and it was just you know, you, who wants to block it. But there, you know, the other part of it is just, he has this vision. He's able to do it. He puts it in the right spot, or at least puts it into a spot where you can get a stick on it, or make that deflection, or whatever it might be. And so, yeah, it, it's again just another kind of tool in his arsenal that he has. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's pretty crazy to see because I mean, you know, again, you're, you're still realizing this guy's a rookie. You know, he's obviously played two years of pro or a year and a half technically based on games, um, but. He just he has this ability, and and and, and you know for fans wh- whether you, you doubted him before or didn't or whatever, he, I think all you can do right now is be happy that he's turned out to be the player that the Jets figured he was, and and, and the scouting staff obviously kind of uh, knew that he would be. Mark my words on this, Scott. Speaking of those shots getting through, I, I mean, you know, the Jets, especially when you look back at that series against the Leafs, and they were incredibly dangerous on the on the rush um you know they had you know creating odd man chances capitalizing on them and it did a great job on that you know once they got into those zones sometimes they had a little bit harder of a time generating things from the area right in front of the net you know with Stanley's ability to get the puck to the net um a- as well as the other jets needing to be better at doing that uh, you know that's where you create those opportunities in front of the net, and even last night, I mean, Shifley had a couple rebounds that just didn't go in. Matthew Perot yeah. had a glorious opportunity. I, I mean, the Jets will do what they do when they've got a little bit of space and we can they can generate that speed. But as the degree of difficulty goes up, as you're playing teams that are better defensively, you're going to need to generate offense outside of the rush. That is the way you do it. And listen, you look yeah. at last night, a couple of those rebounds, you know, maybe get a little bit of a different angle on the stick on it. And maybe they're in a knot and maybe it's a different conversation. The bottom line is that's something that the Jets as a team, I think yeah. are going to need to continue to improve on because it's great to, you know, score a highlight reel three on two and two on one goals. But 
you know, the better teams you play against, the less opportunities of those that are going to be there. And I'll say one more thing on Stanley. I think the question is starting to turn into, does he not that he comes in or out of the lineup, but when do you put him with like a Neil Pionk, right? Like, huh. and, and I get it. Like, you know, that, that pairing has been good with Forbert and Pionk for the most part this season. But if you, if Stanley's playing this well, at what point do you kind of reward him with a top four spot there? And see what he can do with a guy like Pionk, which is better defensively sound, but also has that kind of offensive, um, I guess, you know, slant to him, right? And, and so I'd like to see that just a little bit. I mean, this, this is now, now it's an experiment. You're obviously coming into the trade deadline where you're, you're probably looking for a top four defenseman. And so, you know, yeah, I get that. But, like, I, I just, I'd like to see Stanley play with Pionk and see what he can do. Still on the same, you know, natural left side, but just see what he can do there. And, and and just give that a couple of goes because you can you can shelter the third pairing all you want, um, and they've done that a lot. But I, I think you know to see what Stanley would look like next to Pionk is it's kind of the next the next phase in his transition. I think or in his progression, I, I think that's what the, the conversation should be. And not that is he on the bubble to come out of the lineup, but is he ready to see what he can do in the top four? And what will be really interesting is whether that will be a result of injury getting the opportunity yeah. or whether, you know, he continues to play the way he's playing. And Paul Maurice says, you know what, let's give this guy an opportunity. Let's give him a little bit of a look. I mean, uh, look, and we know the way this, you know, team operates and, you know, does business and it's a slow and steady approach. And, you know, I don't yeah. think that they'll ever put him in that position if they don't think that he is ready, unless they literally don't have other players to do it. But to your point, I think the way that he's playing right now is probably giving Paul Maurice some some thought behind closed doors of the coach's office that, you know, oh, maybe this kid's ready for, you know, even more opportunity, more ice time, and potentially that means playing with some other guys. Moving away from the blue line for a minute. Well, actually, I guess it has to be part of the conversation. We heard Sheveldayoff speak yesterday uh, about a number of topics. Uh, I think the one that is of most interest to fans is the upcoming deadline in about four weeks. Yep. You've got, you know, three quarters of the league south of the border, which includes a 14 day quarantine Um, thoughts on what you heard from Chevy yesterday and the jets going into the deadline specifically as it relates to Ekholm, Savard, a couple of the top two defense. And we've been heard bandied about that certainly would be a nice addition to the jet back end. I mean, I've already said what I expect him to say that they'll be looking. He always kind of says that. Um, But, uh, but I do think that they are looking for that top four defenseman. I don't think he's swayed by the fact that there is a 14-day quarantine. But there's a caveat there, and I think that is – I think if he's going to pull the trigger on a trade, he's going to want to do it as soon as he can. And I know he didn't really kind of say that because he said yesterday that, you know, it would be up to, you know, if the, the fit's right and all that. I get that. But I think there's some urgency on Canadian teams here with the uncertainty if the NHL or if the federal government really is going to, you know, budge on that. And I, I suspect they're not just based on how it's kind of gone. Um, so if they do, great. But if they don't, I mean, I think you want to get that player because let's, you know, and Paul Friesen, colleague, uh, the Winnipeg Sun, wrote yesterday, and we, we, we had talked about it before he wrote his column yesterday, about the, the idea that, you know, if you pick up a guy on April 12th and, from down south, bring him up here, he's not ready to play until April 26th, quarantine. Well, he's already missed two weeks, so you're going to put him in the lineup then. So, like, a true, like, I mean, you talk about true rental and, like, a guy like David Savard. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's literally going to have one week or so, you know, to play the rest of the regular season and then be thrown into the playoffs. 
I think, you know, I think teams up north here are going to want to avoid that. And so I think the arms race probably starts a little bit earlier on that, which, which, but, but it's difficult because, you know, why would Nashville, you know, try and cater to a, a Canadian team, right? That be when they, you know, there's going to be lots of teams, you know, lining up for, for Matthias Ekholm and a guy like that. I mean, they don't need to, you know, necessarily pull the, you know, they don't need to, you know, go early here either, right? They, they don't have to get into anything premature either. So I think that's part of the thing where, I mean, if you're going to go after an Ekholm, you better put together a pretty good package for him and, and, and try and get that done as early as possible. But at the same time, I guess with Ekholm, he's the type that I, I, I'd probably be less worried about that. And same, 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 I guess, with David Savard as well. Um, I'm interested on the price tags of these guys. I'm, I'm very interested going into the trade deadline, how teams kind of value first-round picks this year. Because, I mean, if you look at the AHL hasn't even started playing. The WHL just started, and, and they're only playing 24 games. Sorry, the OHL hasn't started playing. The, the WHL has, has just started. I mean, college is going, the QMJHL has played. But I, I just, I, I'm, I'm so interested to know how teams uh, uh, approach that. And the other part about it, I'm very interested to know how GMs and coaches work together this year for players because for all the way up, you I mean, you've now, you know, by the end of the season or by the trade deadline, you've probably played most of these teams seven times, maybe six, six to seven times. You know what you're going up against in the playoffs, right? Like you might not know what teams you're playing, but you have a good idea of the matchups you're going to get if you go into a, a series against Edmonton, against whoever it is. So now it's not – is it about getting the best player available or is it about getting the player that can kind of work the best against the matchup that you're going to have in the playoffs? Because I know for the first two rounds, and, and it, that's all Canadian teams, right? So are, are you worried about getting the best player – I'm, I'm repeating myself now, but – or are you really trying to find – um, the player that's going to match up stylistically, whatever it is, the best against um, the teams that you're going to play in the immediate first two rounds before you would move on. I, I think that's kind of the – I'm, I'm interested. I would have loved to ask it to Chevy yesterday. I, I didn't get around to it. Um, but I, I'm interested to know what how much input coaches are going to have in terms of, I you know, I need this type of defenseman. I need, I need – this is the guy I need to play against the Matthews line or whoever. I think that's the interesting part. Uh, that maybe people aren't always, you know, thinking about. Yeah, and you know what? You make a great point um, about the first-round picks this year in that, I mean, just the lack of scouting, the the uncertain nature of where people and kids are, and I guess most of them will have a chance to play some games uh, before going in, but, I mean, there was a move by a number of teams to maybe push the draft back, but then you get into PA issues on contract years and all that, and it just didn't seem feasible. So all of that. One more for you, Scott, because we do have Andrew Harris coming up. Um, When are we going to see Jansen Harkins uh, next? And and listen, I kind of get it. I mean, I know people were not too pleased um, when Nate Thompson went to the lineup, but the fourth line, from my perspective, has been great. A big part of that has been the way Matthew Pro's been playing, and I think Lewis has been solid from day one. Um, But it is pretty interesting. I I thought Harkins really sort of established himself as a jet regular by the end of last season, and maybe it just speaks to the strength they have up front and the lack of injuries right now that he hasn't been able to get in. Yeah, I call this a bit of a bold uh, uh, projection, but I think he plays Thursday. Um, and uh, and I, I, I was talking about this with, with, with Ken Weave from uh, Sportsnet last night during the game. We sit beside each other in the press box. And, and we both kind of agreed the fact that, yeah, I mean, 
So you have this big crunch of games coming up. You have, well, I think it's what, like seven games and 13 nights coming up. Uh, you now put Anton Forsberg on waivers. You have the ability to now put him into the, you know, or to put another player on your on your squad, get him off the taxi squad. I, I think they're going to give Nate Thompson a break. I don't think it'll be against his former team against Montreal, but I do think that it might happen the next night against Edmonton. It's a back-to-back. It, it, it's a time where you can, you know, you justifiably tell Nate Thompson that he can come out of the lineup to get a rest, and then you can, and then you can put, you know, give Dylan, uh, or sorry, not Dylan, you can give um, uh, Jansen Harkin, sorry, um, that opportunity to get back in the lineup because again, he came out and really no fault of his own, um, and, and that's just the way it is this year. It, 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 it's it's been a bad year for for some of the young players because that fourth line has played well. Um, and I think, uh, and Paul Maurice likes his veterans as well. And, and so, and that line's stacked up with them. Um, but I think, yeah, Jansen Harkins, uh, my guess, he plays Thursday night. And, uh, if I'm wrong, well, it is what it is. Lost to the internet <laughs> either, right? It so. <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. Hey, Scotty, listen, this was awesome. Thank you so much for doing this and, uh, very Any much time. looking forward to uh, having you back on real soon here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. There is Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun talking Jets with us. Of course, Winnipeg Sports Talk brought to you by Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. Thanks again to Trevor and the Not Guys for that beautiful banner ad for Winnipeg Sports Talk yesterday in the Freep. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the Not Team? And if you're looking to get out of a lease... Um, or move on from a vehicle. They've got an incredible consignment program. See them at Waverly and McGilvery or online at not.ca. And, of course, our friends to Royal Sports Spring is here. It is time to get outside. Talked to Greg and Gerald yesterday. They've got so much in new stock when it comes to getting outside. Of course, we've got soccer and baseball. Camping's coming up. You want to get a new pair of kicks running around. They've got all the great brands there. And if you are a – if you've ever tried disc golf – which is one of the great uh, under-the-radar activities to do in spring and summer. Um, pop by Royal Sports. They'll get you kitted out, and you can go uh, pretty much snow's gone. We should be ready to play right away. Uh, so thanks again to Knott and Royal, as well as um, the Nick and Nicky DQ group and uh, Boston Pizza. We were talking about free pizzas last night at the hockey game. Let you know what you can get from BP a little bit later on. But right now... It is an absolute pleasure to welcome in for the first time on Winnipeg Sports Talk, Blue Bomber star and still reigning Grey Cup champion, Andrew Harris. What's going on, boss? Great to have you on the program. Thanks for having me. I'm loving that background on the back. It's uh, that, they, they did the, they overkilled a little bit on the confetti, I think. It was... Uh, there was almost too much you couldn't even see. You're choking on it, but it, it was a great day. Well, sure. there, there was, there was, there was. It had been waiting for a while. The blue and gold confetti had been building up for a while, so we had a lot to blow off. And uh, I figured that would be that would be a perfect, perfect background uh, to bring in you as we look forward to uh, seeing you and your teammates getting back on the field. That first off, I mean, this has been the longest off season ever. Um, you come off one of your greatest uh, achievements and victories in uh, a pretty incredible career. And now we're, um, you know, more than 12 months removed from uh, holding up that trophy. Uh, how you been and what have you been doing? Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a long, it's, I think we're almost at 16 months, 17 months since, uh, since we played. And uh, I mean, for me, it was a tough, tough uh, summer this summer and, and just going through, you know, usually training and, and leading up to training camp and, and usually getting used to being around the guys again. And having that kind of taken away from you was, was definitely a tough pill to swallow. 
and uh, you know, going going through, you know, just what 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 do I do next? So I've always been doing, you know, some some sort of business ventures um, on the on and off off the field and and working on, you know, trying to establish myself for for life after football. And uh, you know, for me, you know, things were kind of slow. COVID was hitting. I actually got into uh, the car business, and um, and I'm doing some uh, sales consulting for some other different uh, companies, and I'm doing some real estate development as well right now. So I got my hands in a few different things, and um, just working down here at Midtown Ford right now, and I uh, do some construction sales and, and and do sales for one of my friends' uh, commercial cleaning companies as well. So um, you know, I got my hands in, in a few different things, and DJ and I, uh, DJ the Llama, he plays for the Montreal Wets, good friend and and uh, ex teammate of mine. Uh, we started Pro Prep Academy, where we uh, we help young athletes uh, evolve their game on and off the field, whether it's tutoring, strength conditioning, uh, sports psychology, uh, nutritional side of things. Uh, then we have a, a team of doctors and physiotherapists and massage therapists and and chiropractors to to help keep their bodies nice and uh, nice and right. So um, that's that's been that's been keeping me really busy and and you know, kind of motivating myself, you know, while I'm not being around uh, the football field and bringing on the guys. But uh, it's definitely been a weird year for, for a lot of people, and especially after coming off such a great high. No doubt about it. Andrew Harris with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Now, you know, I, I'm not surprised at all that you've got your hands in uh, a number of uh, different kettles. And, and this part of it, I'm sure, was part of the attraction to come back to play with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I mean, you know, arguably the most impactful free agent signing in the history of the football club. And that's a long, long history. Um, I imagine the off, the, as much as you believed in the direction the Bombers were going and the people that were running the football club and, and knowing how amazing it would be if you were a centerpiece of a championship team in your hometown, um, the ability to, you know, continue to sort of grow your brand and build for life after football in Winnipeg, I'm sure was was part of um, the reason why it made sense to become a Blue Bomber in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest the biggest draw for me, number one, was my daughter. Um, you know, she just turned 13 this past January. So, you know, being back here for the last four or five years has, has been instrumental in, in our relationship and just being a father as a whole. Um, any athlete that, uh you know, spend six months or any person that spends six months away from their, from their child, um, back and forth. It, 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 it definitely, definitely puts a, a lot of strain on, on, on the, their development and, and your, yourself as a parent, just being away from for, for so long. So that was a big deciding factor for me. And then too, yeah, and I, I figured that there'd be lots of opportunities off the field, uh, to grow and, um, you know, just, just on a business standpoint and, and just grow financially. I know, you know, football is a young man's game and, you know, I'll be turning 34 in April here. So, um, that time is ticking and I, I want to be able to transition into, into what's after without having to kind of start from the bottom again and, and, you know, just transition into, into the business world, uh, you know, seamlessly. So that was very important for me. You know, you, you mentioned your, your age and I mean, age is, is a number in a lot of ways. However, I mean, you know, you look at your career, the amount of carries, the amount of yards, everything that you've done in the CFL, um, that takes a toll. How are you feeling right now? Cause I imagine this is, I mean, you've gone the longest without getting, getting hit in a long, long time. I mean, how are you feeling right now going through this last year and uh, looking ahead to hopefully getting back on the field soon? Yeah, I mean, I, the biggest thing for me is I usually play a lot of uh, men's league hockey and basketball, so not even not, not being able to do that, I'm probably not as uh, as in good a shape as I've I've been. But you know, now that things are opening up again, and and you know, I've been heading back to the stadium and and going 
to, to work out. I feel like, you know, after a couple of workouts, you know, you know, it's, it, you come right back and, and that muscle memory is, is right there. So there might be a couple extra pounds that I might, might have to shut off, but I think everyone's going to be in that, that same, that same boat. So um, it was funny. We actually did it. We did a workout today with uh, a bunch of young athletes from, you know, the age from 12 to 17 and, some of them are about this close to puking. So, I mean, for us, um, as, as, as professional athletes, you know, that's, that's definitely going to be there and, and there's going to be some, some, some growing pains as, as far as getting back into shape. But, um, you know, having, having this long off is, is definitely allows the body and a uh, chance to heal. But after, after the season last or 2019, I always want to say last year, you know, I was, I was, you know, so, so jacked up and, and, you know, after having my, uh, my two week break there, which was, uh, which was unexpected, but, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was ready to go play a few more games. So, you know, if, uh, if I was able to kind of keep going and, you know, if there's an, uh, a Canadian arena league or something like that, I probably would have played in that too. So uh, my body's, <laughs> body's feeling great. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing is my mind's, my mind's even better, right. Uh, you know, after, after a while, you know, uh, playing a lot of years, I talked to a lot of veterans that said, you know, when you play for so long, you kind of lose the passion and the fire to keep on going. And, and uh, I'm really just excited to get out there with the guys again and, and looking forward to, to trying to, trying to get into the great cup uh, with, 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 the, with a great group of guys, great, great set of coaching staff or great, great, great set of coaches and, and do it again for, for this wonderful city. Andrew Harris of the Blue Bombers with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Now, Andrew, um, before we talk about, you know, the upcoming season and what's next, I, you mentioned that you and the DJ Lalama have done this pro prep Academy and, you know, not being someone without kids, um, I, uh, you know, I, I've thought a lot about this. You know, as we were just talking with Billick about the upcoming draft and about scouting NFL, you know, who's going to be in the NHL draft next year and what these kids have been going through and the scouts having, you know, the, the issues with with with, um, with scouting them. The the kids that you're working with, I mean, twelve to seventeen year olds, I mean, probably pretty high end athletes that have for all intents and purposes, been shut down for a year. Um, what have you seen from, from these kids, from, you know, kids that, you know, were like us a long time ago, but have dealt with a global pandemic that no one was prepared for. How, um, how has it affected them? And what are you seeing from um, the young uh, boys and girls that are coming out, trying to continue to train through you guys and trying to make the most of um, these incredible challenges that everyone's going through? Yeah. I mean, first off, I mean, I couldn't imagine going through, you know, grade 11 or grade 12, you know, or high school at all without having any sports, you know, that'd be, you know, sports was so instrumental of, of, of my young, my young, my young, young life and, and keeping me kind of the straight and narrow, even though I veered off at times, but uh, you know, it just, just when you have, when you're so used to that routine and, and having something to look forward to, and there's lots of students that, you know, are, are really just hoping to get a scholarship and, and moving on after high school. So when um, you don't have any film, you don't have any any tape on or any your resume got, kind of gets cut short a year. And uh, the other side of that is a lot of people don't really blossom until that last year, their grade 12. So a lot of people are really just focusing on on uh, maybe their old tape or their, their their old footage that they have. And, you know, they don't get that extra year to develop. So, I mean, there's so many different levels of of how it can hurt and impact, um, you know, a high school student or or even a young person kind of going into high school because they have that that year that didn't get to develop. So. Um, definitely tough, but one thing that me and DJ and, and our team have done is, is done a lot of virtual settings or our sessions. Um, we had Desiree Scott working with our soccer, soccer side and, you know, working in the five by five space in their basement or in their rooms. Um, you know, we did a lot of mental health, 
um, sessions with, with Dr. Too Good. Um, you know, she was instrumental in helping me out, you know, through, through my, my trials and tribulations, you know, throughout my career and, and kind of getting my head and my mind right. And uh, that's a side that I definitely took, um, you know, you know, thought as, as underrated and didn't really take too seriously is the mental health and, and having the proper mindset. I know a lot of people say the game's 90% mental or 80% mental and the rest is physical, but, you know, I kind of took that for granted and, and uh, it's definitely a big, big part of, of, of your performance and, and how you look at the game and how you attack the game. So that was one angle that we really focused on is, is making sure that, you know, we talk about mental health and all the different things that, that uh, these young athletes are going through. And even the ones that are, you know, kind of in, in university and junior that are kind of moving on to, to try to make the jump to the CFL or to go to university, they're in that same boat too. So, I mean, everyone, um, you know, is going through their struggles and, and, you know, we tried to find a way to reach each each one of them and, and help them get better. Um, you know, whether it was focusing on their nutrition, focusing on their mental health, focusing on the, the small little details that they can, they can get better within their household um, or the resources that they had. So for us, you know, I think we, we definitely were able to impact you know, a number of athletes and, you know, we're, we're looking forward to, uh, we announced that we're doing the spring, spring uh, flight football league this year for all the high school students. So, you know, we're going to be able to be able to um, film those, all those sessions and all those games. So, I mean, I know it's not real tackle football, but, you know, as a, as a DB, as a receiver, as a quarterback, you're still able to highlight yourself, highlighting the best province. And uh, so we'll have a high school, junior varsity, and varsity league, and uh, our division, and then we'll have a junior and uh, college division as well. So we're still able to offer these kids an opportunity to highlight their skills, and 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 then you know put on the ground a scale, and we're gonna have streaming services and and be able to put up their highlight tapes. So we're really oh. excited about uh, you know having that opportunity to to still offer. Uh-huh. Well, that is, that is phenomenal. And I mean, these uh, you know, young players, I mean, I know they're just looking for any opportunities to both play and show what they can do. Andrew Harris is with us. Well, I- I've got to ask you, I mean, it was a pretty crazy week. And for anyone that was following the Canadian Football League last week with the announcement that the league and the XFL were going into discussions. I mean, I don't know how much anyone can really say on it because there's not a lot of concrete details on what this is or what this might mean. But, um, you know, as a Canadian player that also just went through a year of not playing because we know what the pandemic has done to so many businesses. But I think it's safe to say that the Canadian Football League's finances are not in a great spot. We realize that there's probably these conversations don't happen if it's not somewhat serious. What um, what was your initial reaction to this? Did it totally catch you off guard? And is it something that you think might be a real positive for the future of football in Canada? Or as a Canadian player, is it something that is not a good thing? Or do you know right now? You know, uh, when, I, when I first heard the news, I was I was kind of shocked and, and odd and um, and wasn't really a big fan of it. And uh, but I mean, now that I think about it more, I mean, it's 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 an opportunity for us to get back and in, in, in back on the field and. Um, you know, I just don't hope, I hope it doesn't, doesn't take or change the integrity of the, of the CFL. And that's the one thing that, uh, you know, kind of worries me a little bit is, is maybe the potential, maybe rule changes or, you know, the different things that might happen to, you know, the great game that we all love. Um, it was funny, actually, I, um, after the news came out, I was just kind of flicking through the channels and I saw the 30 for 30 for the XFL, or this was the XFL, the original Vince McMahon and, uh, Ebersol and, um, you know, just, just the gong show that that was in the first year, you know, and, and how, how there was all this hype around it and, and all the rule changes and, and things that they thought were going to happen and how it all kind of played out. So, I mean, obviously that's not the same, you know, ownership and, and mindset that we're going for now, 
but uh, this is a league that's been around twice now and 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 failed. And uh, I mean, we were we're the longest football uh, running league in in North America in the world. And uh, you know, again, there's there's a lot of uh, diehard fans and and diehard players that you know really really hold true to the integrity of our game and and you know love our game. And you know, when that's uh, that, that that's threatened to be potentially changed and. And, um, you know, I think that that's going to scare a lot of people and, and, and push a lot of people out of, you know, potentially wanting to play this game or even watch this game. But if it's going to get us back on the field um, and, and help our league in some way, there just has to be some sort of synergy that works for both both sides. And I hope that we can kind of figure that out. And again, any 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 time I can uh, think of just getting us back and, and and playing in front of our fans and, and you know, doing the great things that we love to do. Um, you know, I'm always going to, you know, always going to listen and, and, you know, have some sort of optimism towards it. You know, and, and your career in the Canadian football league is one of the greatest, regardless of passports, but you are a Canadian player. Um, I think we've seen, I mean, what you've done for the last 10 plus years and know that, you know, it doesn't matter what country you come from. You, if, if given the opportunity, you would have been a star in this league, but I do want to ask you, Thinking back to getting your start, playing junior football, going to BC, and then coming to Winnipeg, um, how 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 much did the Canadian rules, in your opinion, um, for the league help you get your opportunity? And if they didn't have that same ratio and not, do you think that you would have been given that opportunity over maybe some American players that might have better tape or whatever, a bigger school or whatever? Absolutely, I think I think both sided here. Um, you know, being a Canadian running back from, from a junior program hurt me at first um, because Wally Bono was like, oh, we're not going to start a Canadian running back, let, let alone a junior Canadian running back. Um, but as I kept coming back to camp, I, I, stepped, I kept showing out well. But the only reason I was going to camp is because I was a Canadian and a junior player was a non-counter. So, you know, the, it was kind of a double-edged sword there where, you know, I wouldn't have the opportunity to, to go and play and, and become a um, get on a get on a CFL roster, and even in those those times, uh, you know, at camp, you know, they put me at receiver at, at safety. Um, you know, they had kind of had me running around a little bit. Um, but after two three years, you know, going back and, and showing well, you know, I got an opportunity. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think uh, without a ratio, um, you know, without maybe the the, the, the junior exempt, exemption rule, you know, I don't think I'd be you know uh, making the all decade team or or leading the you know having having you know, leading the, the, the Canadians in rushing or yards from scrimmage. Absolutely not. So, I mean, these rules and these things, um, which which deterrent some, sometimes, um, are definitely ways to get us oppor- Canadians opportunities. And if you take that out, um, you know, they're, they're not looking at a Canadian junior um, football player from, from Nanaimo or, or Vancouver Island Raiders when they, you know, there's a dime a dozen, you know, throughout the states that they can go choose from. So, um, you know, I definitely think that, uh, yes, I blossomed into a to a great role and and into um, you know a lot of years of hard work and 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 blossoming as as a young player. But I don't think I would have those same opportunities. You know, have have be it that you know there wasn't that the exemption rule or if there wasn't a ratio. But uh, I mean, I remember Wally saying to to us, he's like, well, if we if we start a we start a Canadian, we have to have a Canadian backup. And that in itself, you know, when there's only one player on the field, uh, one running back, sorry, on the field, it's hard to find that Canadian backup. That's that that can come in and 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 you know not there's not that big drop off right you know when you play receiver or line you know there's there's four or five other guys that are that are out there that you can kind of you know mix guys in and there's there's just a lot more bodies so you know when there's when there's the one guy you know the same thing with a quarterback if you have a Canadian quarterback and you know before they kind of made that rule change 
um, you have to have another guy to come in or, or else your, your, your ratio is messed up. So um, the running back is definitely a tricky, tricky uh, position uh, in the Canadian game. And uh, without the rule changes, without or, or, the, or without the ratio um, and and the exemption rules, um, I definitely wouldn't wouldn't be where I'm at today. So uh, I definitely appreciate that, and and hopefully that that integrity and and those 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 pieces of the game kind of stay the same. On the same side of things, though, and we talked about this with Naylor the other day, in that um, you know, Andrew, there are it seems like the the talent of the Canadian athletes is getting better and better all the time. And we saw Chase Claypool light it up for the Steelers last year, Joe, Joe down at Clemson. I mean, you can go down the list of a lot of top, you know, now NCAA talent that, you know, might even be getting NFL looks is happening. How different is that? And a big part of it, I think is the training programs like you guys have going on right now. How far ahead are we as far as training our Canadian athletes um, to, to prepare them for opportunities um, that might come up where the passport is irrelevant? Yeah, I think in the last 10 years, for sure, um, our, our sports science has gone through the roof and there's been a lot more money in, in, in infused into development of the players and and uh, and the opportunities are there, too. So um, I think that uh, the players are much more developed than they were when, you know, I, w- I was coming out of high school and even years before that. And, uh, you know, there's 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 the names are, you know, the, the names of the list of names uh, is go- is long. And, and you know, and we, we keep on developing these great athletes at over time after year after year. So I think uh, as time goes on and we gain more respect and, and you know, the guys like Chase Claypool, um, you know, the, the Hubbard that's coming out of uh, OSU, um, I think he's going to be a great player in the, in the NFL. Um, you know, he, he's an amazing running back that, uh, you know, was on pace to, to do great things and just got held back from injury. But um, there's lots of great young athletes that are coming out and, and you know, putting some respect on the Canadian name, and that's, <laughs> which is awesome. And um, anytime you see a, a, young, a young Canadian uh, playing in the NFL, um, you know, it definitely puts a smile on my face. Andrew Harris with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And it's been a great chat. Um, you know, focusing on right now, um, uh, you know, you've got your hands in all these different things you've been doing through this time. But there will be a time, hopefully very soon, to get back to work. If you talk to your teammates and, uh, you know, just when you're when you're talking, when you're working out, I mean, how, uh, how hot is that fire burning to get back out there at IG Field in front of fans, raise that damn Grey Cup banner and go and try and run it back? I mean, uh, I don't know if well, you obviously know Yoshi Hardrick, but anytime you get on the phone with him, period, it's always an intense conversation. But you start talking football and you almost have to hold the phone back here because he's screaming <laughs> and yelling and, and going nuts. So, yeah, there's there's lots of guys who are definitely excited and chumming at the bed and um, to get back at it. And I think the biggest thing is is just being in front of our fans. I, remember, I was talking to Nick from Nicolino's. I know you I know you know him well, too. And he was just, he was so excited about the, the un- unveiling of the flag. And he's like. I'm just so pissed off that we got robbed from that, you know, just the, <laughs> the 2020, you know, have, having the fans in the stands. And, you know, when you kind of think that, think about that and put that in perspective and how great of a day that would have been uh, right after, after doing it the year after would have been, it would have, would have been an amazing spectacle to, to be a part of, but uh, we're going to get there soon. And, uh, you know, with the vaccines rolling out and, and, you know, the numbers going down, I think that, uh, you know, the, the end is near with this and hopefully we can get back on the field sooner or later. Oh, hey, dude, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, that place, and even if it's 50% fans, I don't know what the situation will be in with how many people you can get in. But even if it is half the building, um, 
not only will it be an incredible celebration of the 2019 Grey Cup champs and ending that drought and finally people in blue and gold getting to come together to celebrate it, but I think it will also be incredibly special for any football fan. And the party would have been going off even if the team was 2-16 and 16 the year before just because, you know what, fans, they, they love... I mean, that, sports is one thing that absolutely brings communities together. We saw it like we haven't seen in a long, long time. I mean, to me, the Bombers winning the Grey Cup in 2019, the Jets playoff run in 17-18, and the Jets coming back to Winnipeg in 2011, three of the most significant you know events for our community not just sports. So um, I'll tell you what, when the green light is given, Bomber fans will be ready to go. They'll feel like they will come to that game like you guys went into McMahon Stadium to blow out the Ticats in the Grey Cup. And uh, don't worry about the celebration. will get every ounce that it deserves and maybe even more because of what we've been through having to wait to celebrate what you guys were able to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I've been a part of the whiteout parties and, and the parade and uh, and I was part of coming out of that tunnel. So that's a lot of energy. That's a lot of excitement and that's a lot of drinks being drinking. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, continuing the party and the excitement and, um, you know, just being a part of something special in this, in, in this province and in this city, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I came back and, you know, uh, definitely a lot of pride of uh, being part of this and being instrumental and, and a leader on this team and in this community. So um, lots of excitement and just looking forward to it. Well, dude, it's certainly a big reason why we wanted you to be the first Winnipeg Blue Bomber to join us on the new chapter here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. It was always great talking to you back on Pembina Highway, and uh, I'm sure this will be the first of uh, many, many convos we have here on the new program. Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, continued success. Be well, be healthy, and can't wait to see you back in number 33 getting into the end zone with that rock coming up in a few months. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me and congratulations on, on the new show and uh, all the best of luck to you as well. I'm sure you'll to be doing lots of great things and like you already have been. And uh, again, just congrats and we'll, we'll see you soon. Okay. Take Cheers, care. Andrew. Thanks so much for doing this. There he is, the uh, MVP, the great cop, the outstanding Canadian. Uh, we don't have enough time uh, before we got to get this pod up to go down all of Andrew Harris's incredible accolades. But uh We kind of figured that, you know, if there was anyone we wanted to bring on to start off, um, you know, an athlete segment on this program, with it being Winnipeg Sports Talk, is um, one of the greatest Winnipeg's ever produced, Andrew Harris, who, um, you know, of course, I still maintain the most significant free agent signing the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have ever made. And, um, well, now a Grey Cup champ that helped end that drought that we spent far too long talking about. But it was real. But you know what else is real? The Bombers are going to defend that Grey Cup, hopefully in a few months at IG Field. And as he mentioned, we've got to get these shots coming on and get some vaccines rolled out. But um, hopefully many of us will be able to be there and be a part of it. Great stuff from Andrew Harris. Uh, We've got to thank our friends at Boston Pizza. As I mentioned last night was... Sort of shout out to Claude Noel and Johnny Oduya, free pizza uh, night at uh, Bell MTS Place. Uh, it's not free pizza, but they've got an incredible deal. The game day deal right now, the spicy pierogi pizza, meteor pizza, 24-pack of wings from our friends at Boston Pizza. You can get it at any of your local locations, pick up, dine in if you want to bring the family, even go out onto the patio with some friends right now with a green light, or just order online at bostonpizza.com. And, of course, the Nick and Nikki DQ group. I don't think we've ever had a more popular sponsor right out of the gate than Dairy Queen. Um, it doesn't. It, it never takes very long before we get some 
people talking about going into Dairy Queen or feeling like Dairy Queen when we're on here. And of course, if you're going to do that, support our friends Nick and Nikki, who have been such great sponsors of ours. The Nick and Nikki DQ Group, DQ Northgate, Polo Park, the Dairy Queen out in Niverville, and they've just taken over the St. Anne's DQ, which, as I mentioned, I thought was seasonal. It's not. Burgers and all all there for you in old St. Vitale on St. Anne's. Um, we will get to the uh, lines for cool bet in a minute, but let's bring Michael Remus back in from, uh, from the control room of Winnipeg sports talk daily. Uh, man, this has been an awesome show. Reem, and it's really gone fast. I mean, I could have talked to Billick for another half hour today, um, but I got to tell you getting, and a thanks to Darren Cameron, and of course, Andrew Harris for taking the time to join us. Great convo with Andrew on a number of topics on what it's been like being off the field all this time, looking ahead, um, as well as a, a pretty great perspective on, I think, what we learned last week. I was really interested to hear what Canadian, star Canadian players would think about it. And he really laid out some of the, uh, you know, the cons that you initially are concerned about, but also um, some of the obvious potential pros, meaning, um, you know, it might it might be what takes to keep this game moving forward and uh, keep football on the field here in the peg and north of the border. It's very interesting to hear what Andrew Harris had to say, especially at the beginning, because he said, look, maybe he was being overlooked at playing running back because he was Canadian. And then when he eventually got the chance, it was like, OK, if we want to keep the ratio intact, we have to find a Canadian backup. But uh, I think his play uh, really determined all where, you know, where he would be and Again, as he said, all-decade all team, you know, one of the greatest uh, ever at, at running back for sure. So um, it was great to hear what he had to say, and, and I agree. I think the you don't want to take away from the Canadian game what makes it great, but at the same time, you don't want to stand in the way of growth. So a lot of a lot's being speculated. We really, it's again, it's all speculation, but that uh, is what we're here to do. It is uh, have fun. It does lead to a lot of uh, great discussions. So uh, definitely. A nice conversation there with Andrew Harris. All right. Uh, got some great comments coming in. Deals with integrity. Great to hear from Andrew Harris. Um, <laughs> Cheeseburger Walrus shoveled down some DQ yesterday. Oh, yeah. And Brad Hall. Brad, not in a good mood today, Reem. Brad says, sorry, until you talk the pandemic vax talk, I'm done with you guys. I, I don't know how you can talk about anything in 2021, considering we can't go to the damn games without mentioning the pandemic and what needs to happen to get us back to normal. So, Brad, yeah, I apologize, I'm, but that's unfortunately just sort of part of life right now. Um, you can't really stick your head in the sand about it, and especially when you're talking about something like the CFL, which is on the verge of having, well, which well, is in the situation we've discussed because of damn COVID-19. Yeah, I'm sorry Brad's uh, going to go, but I'm not sure what we're supposed to talk about when you can't have fans at the games and I'm wondering <laughs> if these leagues are going on. I will say, though, I was flipping through movies uh, yesterday on the weekend with my wife. We're looking for something to watch, and there was a movie where it's like, in the backdrop of COVID-19, two lovers <laughs> come together. I'm like, no, I'm, I, don't need to, I don't need to deal with that. I don't, I'm done. That I'm reminds done. I mean, me, I, I, remember the movie... Uh, a couple years ago that came out in the midst of, you know, we were all learning about the head injuries and concussions that the movie, it was called Concussion. Concussion, the movie. Like, who in the world wanted to go see that? I, it, I mean, they should have just made a name that made it sound like, a, you know, a love story or something like that. Maybe a rom-com that involved a concussion. Because, um, yeah, like, 
you know, and I'm sort of with Brad. Like, believe me, dude, I'm sick of it too. We're all sick of it. We want to get through it. Um, but it is a reality right now. So yeah, I'm out on concussion movies, and I'm all, also out on uh, COVID rom coms as well, Remus. If if you if you end up getting sucked into it, you can come in and bring a review on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk for the end of the show. Not watching yet. No, we, don't get us wrong. We're all sick of it, but I mean, you got to deal with it day to day. You know, I got my fantasy baseball draft coming up. I got to wonder how it's going to affect, uh, you know, baseball this year. We're seeing it in all sports. So, but I don't, yeah, I'm not going to be sitting down and watching a uh, rom com with a co, you know, that takes place during COVID 19. Not something I want to get into. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of comments coming in. It, take it easy on Brad. I get it. Some people have different opinions on this stuff. And it, listen, it is bothersome for all. Um, John Lishka, Brad needs some DQ. Let's get Brad a blizzard from Nick and Nicky and everything will be okay. We'll get through it. Um, Remo, tonight, no Jets game tonight. Uh, but we will look at the lines for our friends at CoolBet. And um, in the National Hockey League, you know, we've got a pretty big slate of games. But to me, there is one game and one game only that is, you know, worth really focusing in on. Um, Dustin Nielsen and I, by the way, if you're a listener or viewer of the Lock Shop, did a show today just before we went on. The podcast is up. Just uh, search Lock Shop if you're listening on the pod. Um, or you can go to Twitter. tweeted it out at Nielsen TSN 1260. Um, so we've hit all the games for tonight. We've made our picks. Hopefully keeping the heater going. But Remo, the game that I am I am going to be watching tonight. Why some may ask, it's a little bit sadistic. Buffalo at New Jersey. The Sabers have lost eleven games in a row. The Devils have lost eleven at home, eleven in a row at home, and nine of ten. And by rule, somebody has to win this hockey game tonight. Buffalo, of course, embarrassed last night, six nothing by the Washington Capitals. New Jersey comes into this game a minus 185 favorite, having won one of 10 and lost 11 in a row at home. It speaks to just how miserable the Buffalo Sabres have been this year. Yeah, it's been uh, really bad uh, for them this season. Not not good at all. Talked about firing the coach. Who's going to get traded at the deadline? Uh, you know, GM Kevin Adams coming in and, uh, you know, said he was disappointed, but then followed up with not making any moves. So uh, people in Buffalo, very upset. They want to see a winner. They've been dying it. We saw what happens in Buffalo when the Bills win, but the Sabres, even after, you know, going through the tank and getting Jack Eichel, they still haven't made the playoffs. So I'm, I don't know how you can watch, put yourself through that Huss, maybe for the jokes, but if you want to watch real teams play, uh, I would go with Boston, Pittsburgh. Um, those are two pretty good squads. Of course, Islanders capitals, although some people say they're not a fan of the Islanders, style of play maybe not the most aesthetically pleasing but uh and we also have a, a rematch of the cup final although dallas not quite the same team they've had a number of uh, injuries from that deep run and uh, lightning obviously don't have kucherov but that is on as well tonight so a couple of games uh, to keep you posted well dusty made a great point um about the islanders going into this game tonight against washington um they're 9-0-1 in their last 10 and i think eight of the nine wins are against Buffalo or New Jersey. So, <laughs> you know, you sometimes, you, you, th- this year more than ever, you sort of need to check the schedule to put it into perspective. But what can mm. you say about Barry Trotz's club? 19-6-4, first place in the East. Um, and that Buffalo, or that Boston-Pittsburgh game is, is big tonight. Pittsburgh's won six in a row going into tonight's game. Boston has lost four of five. 
Uh, the Bruins right now, they do have two games in hand on Pittsburgh, but they're five games back. I mean, they lose tonight in regulation. It's a seven-point difference. And then you've sort of got the Islanders, Pittsburgh, and Washington comfortable. And all of a sudden, Philadelphia just one point back of Boston for that final playoff spot. So that'll be a real interesting game tonight. I actually like Boston as an underdog to go in and win that game this evening. Um, We've got Carolina at Detroit. Carolina, obviously a huge favorite. And the Minnesota Wild, and this this number continues to get bigger, the third game of a three-game set against the Coyotes' ream. Um, Wild opened up about minus 200. It's now minus 217. Um, eight to one, the goal differential in the first two games for Minnesota. Uh, Dalla Dalla Bill Kirill, the thrill, is uh, thriving in Minnesota. He seemingly completely changed the, the makeup of that Wild team. And um, to me, the Wild are maybe the biggest surprise so far in a good way in this National Hockey League season, although we haven't seen a lot of them as we normally do in the Central Division. Yeah, Kaprizov, uh, watch out for him for the Calder. I've heard some talk a couple, like, at least a month ago, about you know betting on Dean Evason as coach of the year. Uh, Minnesota, unlike any Minnesota team we've seen in the last couple of years, they have some young talent. They have some exciting players. I'm a happy happy to see that Joel Erickson Eck, uh, Kevin Fiala, uh, you know, a number of good Matt Dumba as well. You know, Spurgeon they signed for a long term. But one guy who I did pick up in my fantasy league who has been very good this season, Capo Kakinen, 11-4 and record, 2-1-9 goals against, 9-2-2 save percentage. A huge reason as well uh, why they're having so much success. Yeah, he has been uh, a revelation for the uh, for the for the Wild so far this season, uh, and again, the Wild looking to make it three in a row against the Coyotes tonight. Uh, we've got a Stanley Cup rematch: Tampa Bay at Dallas. Tampa Bay minus one forty nine favorite on the road, and uh, the Avalanche, no surprise, a huge favorite over the Anaheim Ducks, who have been just horrible as of late. No, maybe not quite Buffalo or Jersey horrible, but real bad. Um, Avalanche minus 278. And just a quick look ahead to tomorrow. Huge night in the Canadian division. Vancouver and Ottawa. Montreal at Winnipeg here in the rematch of these two clubs. And another tilt in the Battle of Alberta. And uh, Reem, what a big win for the Calgary Flames last night. Um, Brad Treleving, I think he knew what he was getting and bringing Daryl Sutter in. The team steps up with two big home wins against Montreal and then beats Edmonton last night. They've won three in a row. We'll look to make it four. Um, and they need those wins to get right back into a spot where they will be a playoff team in the North Division. Yeah, real impressive uh, what they've been able to do since the coaching change. We'll see if it's just an early bump or if they can continue. You know, Calgary's a solid uh, team. We saw them last year when they played the Jets in the playoffs. Goudreau. I mean, he got off to a hot start, and they kind of fizzled and seemed like maybe they're finding their way. They're sitting now in the fifth in the Canadian division, 14-12 and 3-31 points. So, yeah, as you said, big night. And these games against teams ahead of you, like Calgary for playing against Edmonton, uh, massive. So uh, we'll keep that's something we'll keep an eye on. We're always watching the Canadian division, maybe more so. Well, de- Sorry, not maybe, definitely more so uh, than the rest of the league. I don't know what everyone in chat, but uh, it's... It's kind of nice. You only got like your seven teams you got to focus on. But I agree. It, it does skew a lot of the stats. I mean, you look at the scoring leaders and a lot of them from the Canadian division because, you know, I think defense uh, lacking. You know, you've seen a couple coaching changes. Also has the worst team in the league in Ottawa that, you know, some teams like. Uh, Not even close the to the worst team in the league. I think Ottawa beats Buffalo nine out of ten times and Jersey eight out of ten times right now. Buffalo, the this we are, the Sens 
are a team that, um, you know what? Sorry, yeah, they're going right. to be underdog every time, but let's uh, they're definitely the a clear worst team in the division right now. But mm. um, there are some pretty bad teams right now. We're going to see two of them going head to head tonight in one of the worst regular season <laughs> matchups in recent NHL history. Um, couple football notes before we finish up: Enoch Mwamba, the well-traveled CFL All Star linebacker, has a new home with the Double Blue, the Toronto Argonauts, for the upcoming season. Um, but the NFL free agency has been hot and heavy. And, you know, this is quite interesting. The New England Patriots, we talked about adding Jonu Smith yesterday on a four-year $50 million deal. They go in and add another tight end, snagging former Charger tight end Hunter Henry on a three-year deal, $37.5 million. You know, Camry signs, they added, you know, a couple more depth players on the, uh, you know, at receiver and on the line. Um, but Reem, what an interesting, interesting move by Bill Belichick, considering they didn't seem like there was a lot of real game breakers and playmakers, maybe of the wideout market. So they go and attack the tight end market, grab the two top free agents off the board. And um, I'm sure Pats fans, well, the few Pats fans that are still Pats fans now that Brady's left and won Super Bowls in, uh, in Tampa um, are thinking that maybe just maybe that he and Josh McDaniels can dial up an offense similar to the one that featured Rob Gronkowski and um, the man who will not be named, or I will, the late Aaron Hernandez back um, in, you know, 10 years ago or so when, I mean, both of those players were coming into their own and were really dominating the NFL in a very different setup and formation than most of the other NFL teams were running. Yeah, we'll see how this plays out. I know they drafted two tight ends last year and now they've signed uh, two of the top ones, so... Uh, Hunter Henry was, you know, solid. Je- your friend Jeff Feinberg will tell you he was very good in San Diego, sorry, L.A. for a long time. And John jo- Smith is a nice athlete as well. So with two tight ends, uh, maybe that'll be their their two st- you know focal point of the offense along with Cam Newton. I don't know if this is going to work, but uh, the Patriots are, are swinging. Maybe not something they normally do in free agency. So uh, a lot of uh, player movement here uh, early on in the NFL. Yeah, the other important things, if you haven't been paying attention, what you need to know, um, Drew Brees, of course, retired. Taysom Hill's got a, a, a weird deal. It's like, it says it's four years, $140 million, but every year is voidable uh, by the team. So a lot of funny money. Anyways, Taysom Hill's back, and Jameis Winston's going to get a one-year deal, and the Saints will go into next season with Winston, and Taysom Hill is their two quarterbacks. And Fitzmagic is back at another team. Is that about a dozen now in the National Football League? But Fitz is back. He will sign with the Washington football team. He and Taylor Heineke will be the quarterbacks going into camp. It's expected. Fitzpatrick will be the starter, um, but we'll have to wait till camp on that. Corey Davis goes from the Tennessee Titans to the New York Jets. And uh, Rob Gronkowski, speaking of tight end, said he was going to dip his toes in the free agent waters. He's back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a one-year deal, and Bronco fans will be happy. The Broncos have exercised their option on linebacker Vaughn Miller. What was that, Reem? We got something going on? I got a Kijiji deal. One sec. Hold on. Facebook Marketplace. (laughs) Lots going on right now. Uh, Okay. I'll tell you what. Why don't we just wrap it up with that? Um, A great show today. Uh, We really appreciate Andrew Harris. (laughs) Andrew Harris. And... uh, and Scott Billick for coming in. Although, you know what? Maybe in the comments in the chat right now, hit that like button. Um, of all the things that could, you know, maybe, you know, give a hiccup into the Winnipeg Sports Talk operation, um, 
I was a, a Kijiji marketplace sale, even knowing Michael Remus was probably down near the bottom of the list. However, um, it may have been plus 200, but that is exactly what's happening right now. So, uh, we're going to see, uh, we will get Remus back. We'll finish it up. Once again, got to thank our, our great sponsors, uh, not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery at not.ca, the Nick and Nikki DQ group at DQ's Northgate, Polo Park, Niverville, and St. Anne's, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg. You can order online at bostonpizza.com. And of course, our friends at Royal Sports. Spring is here. Get outside. But first, make a quick trip to Royal and they'll get you fully outfitted on uh, whatever you want to do outside to you uh, get back out and get back at it. Um, Remo, did that really just happen? Did we have a Kijiji marketplace deal uh, just pop in and uh, impact the final of a bit of our program? I'm sure this is going to be, this is going to be as popular as the muted mic in the chat. <laughs> yeah. I, I told him yesterday, he messaged me during the show and I was like, no, I can't come. I can't do it at that time. And then he called me at, uh, text me at two, and was like, I, uh, "Can I come now?" I'm like, you know what? Sure, maybe you'll come before the end of the show. We'll wrap up. And it was just near the end, and uh, I had the item ready, and um, and I gave it to him. I <laughs> Kate, said, "I gotta go. Just give me the money." Now, now, Kate. I mean, listen. This has already become content on the program. You need give us the details of this Kijiji Marketplace transaction. What was sold? What was purchased? Yeah, it's it actually Facebook Marketplace. Oh, excuse and, me. And uh, what was it? It was a Tyler Myers uh, growth chart. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to end the show. Someone in Winnipeg has a Tyler Myers growth chart, courtesy yeah. of uh, the CTO of Winnipeg Sports Talk, who uh, takes yeah. um, you know, uh, double tasking, multitasking to a new level afternoons here on the station uh, Remo looking forward to tomorrow should be a great show uh, we'll line up some uh, Jets guests and get ready for game number two between the Jets and Montreal and of course they're going into back-to-back games with travel in between um, so Montreal and Edmonton on Thursday before a game Saturday night big week for the Winnipeg Jets and certainly I look forward to and I'll hope to get a better result than they did last night we'll definitely need to uh, clean it up if they want to get those two points yeah, I got just. I think taking care of the turnovers uh, is what's going to be important tomorrow. Uh, a lot of people in chat uh, having a good time. <laughs> I figured it would be good for you know it's good for uh, viral content, uh, anyways. So you yeah, never know what could happen when when you're at home on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. No, definitely, definitely not. All right, thanks to everyone who joined us uh, live in YouTube on the chat, and of course everyone checking it out afterwards on their favorite podcast feed. We'll be back at it tomorrow live at one o'clock in your podcast feed right around 3 p.m. getting ready for the Jets and Montreal Canadiens before the team heads to Edmonton. Uh, For Michael Remus, thanks to our guests, Scott Billick and Andrew Harris. And our sponsors, check the uh, Sports Talk Winnipeg Twitter page for uh, the Cool Bet lines of the day. We'll throw those out in a moment. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, folks. Have a great evening, and thanks for listening and being with us. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 